Welcome to another episode of the Double Comma Club with your host, Nicole Ruth of the Ruth Team, the number one lending team in Colorado. So today I want to talk about interest rates. It seems completely apropos given the fact that Jerome Powell, Fed Chair Jerome Powell, spoke on Monday and talked about the fact that they need to increase interest rates, the Fed rate, at a quicker pace that they are concerned, which I find funny because we've all been concerned for over a year that this inflation is getting hotter. But now they're concerned that the Russia and Ukraine conflict is going to continue to spur inflation for a longer period of time than we assumed. They assumed, I kind of felt that. And it, nobody asked me <laughs> is what I'm coming down to. Nobody asked me, I just want to shake him. All right, so I want to give a little backstory on this and talk about where we're headed and how high interest rates might go and what's been happening even over the last couple of days. Monday, the markets, uh, the bond market got hit really hard. Interest rates went up. This morning, the market, again, uh, we've got overnight activities that's creating a, a really rough market for us on the interest rate front. So last year, when we were looking at year-over-year inflation, and you could see a trend line. So the inflation ramped up, and then at some point, those year-over-year comparisons, it's just math, those year-over-year comparisons were comparing higher numbers to higher numbers. Now, it didn't mean necessarily that we weren't still being affected by higher prices, but that those higher prices had settled in to whatever a new normal is before they start coming back down to where the Fed wants them, which is 2% year over year. But when we looked at year over year comparisons, now comparing high prices to high prices, your year over year comparison is more normalized. That's where we were headed. And in March this month, was going to be the beginning of that normalization because we saw the math and the math told us that inflation would start tapering in March. Nobody saw Russia and Ukraine coming or maybe Putin did, right? So we didn't see it any more than we saw a pandemic. So now when we kick off the year, instead of heading towards this inflation that's gonna moderate and interest rates are gonna benefit from that moderation, Instead, we get this third instance, or this, I was going to say third party, but we get this, this global effect on our interest rates that is going to keep the inflation high and interest rates high. So here's where we are today, right? So Jerome Powell, at the end of last year, said that he was going to do quantitative tightening. Originally, it was going to end in June. Then they decided to speed it up because we had to get kind of our feet back underneath us as inflation moderated. He wanted to get the quantitative easing off the table so that he could start raising the Fed rate. So what does that mean? <clears throat> quantitative easing is where the Federal Reserve is purchasing mortgage-backed securities every single month. And quantitative easing is where they purchase a little less this month and then a little less this next month and then a little less the following month until March 15th, just a little bit ago, we had the final purchase, right? So that takes out 
the biggest buyer of mortgage-backed securities and treasuries in our market, the Fed. And then when the Fed's not buying, that means you're gonna have more volatility of interest rates, which we absolutely saw coming out of the gate the moment that they said they were gonna accelerate that quantitative easing to end in March. We already saw that. Then earlier this year, he said, as soon as the quantitative easing is done, we're gonna start raising the Fed rate. Well, that's actually a good thing. And so for a moment, interest rates are going to take a relaxed stance because inflation, especially runaway inflation like we have right now, where we have 7.9% year-over-year increase in the price of everything consumers feel, right? The CPI is up 7.9%. So that gallon of gas, that gallon of milk, the clothes that you buy, the food that you buy, the restaurant that you go to, all of it costs more. So we're feeling that, right? But so he's he's gonna he had mentioned that he's gonna start raising the Fed rate. I like that. If I was a buyer, I'm looking at a fixed instrument like a bond. Think of Social Security, right? If I get income that's fixed every single month and I've got runaway inflation, I can't buy as much. So if I start raising the Fed rate to slow down the economy to bring that inflation back in line. I like that. Interest rates actually go down slightly in situations like that. So that was good. But then he said, and this is going back about six, eight weeks, he said, we're going to start quantitative tightening. Not quantitative easing. That's done. That was done March 15th. Quantitative tightening. So now we're talking about the balance sheet runoff. So they have a certain amount of mortgage-backed securities and treasuries on their balance sheet. They've stopped buying them, adding to the balance sheet, but the balance sheet is still there. Now they're gonna start to let them roll off. And with that, they're putting more supply into the market. So now you have increased supply, right? So we know this in real estate, if we have more supply, prices go down. Interestingly, prices and yields, yields think of interest rates, are opposite. So prices go down, yields go up, and we have higher interest rates. So now we have this tug of war between the Fed rate going up, which causes inflation to calm down, which actually lowers interest rates, and quantitative tightening, which is the balance runoff, which raises interest rates. That alone was a little bit of a tug of war that the market didn't really like. And then, whoa, at the end of February, right, Russia decides to attack Ukraine causing even higher inflation. So obviously, massive humanitarian, humanitarian, I can't say that word. Obviously my heart goes out to Ukrainians. Obviously nobody likes war. I'm not talking about the social side of everything that's being impacted right now and the human experience. I can't even fathom it, right? My head, I'm having a really hard time even getting my arms all the way around the pain that's going on. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the economics that's happening because of the war, right? These are just the plus and minus of the facts, uh, knowing that all of the other stuff is going on. So I don't want you to think I'm being cold in this. I'm, I'm purposely excluding that for a second to talk specifically about the impact that this is having on inflation and interest rates. So let's stay on that track. So inflation, right? So now Russia is like the number two supplier in the world for fertilizer. They're the number one supplier for oil and gas in the European Union. Ukraine is the number one supplier for neon, all right? I had to look that up because other than the lights above my head, I'm like, 
neon is a is a big component of microchips. So now you've got microchips that are already on back order because of everything going on, but now you can't even get the products you need to create the microchips. They're also one of the biggest suppliers of wheat and corn. So the price of food is going up. The price of growing the food is going up. All the prices of gas. I mean, I was just hearing, we were talking about four and a half. I was just hearing about gas in Connecticut is $6 a gallon. So this is happening. And especially for first time home buyers who are trying to get into this market with rising interest rates, rising home prices, have to bid over asking, right? Now, I, I can't even save fast enough because the gallon of gas or the tank of gas I got to fill up and the food that I'm buying and the electricity that I'm paying for and all the, the natural gas is up. Big Ukraine's a big supplier of natural gas. All of those costs are going up. So I can't even save fast enough. Our savings rate is down to 6.8%. The historic average is 8.9%. So we're under the historic average. Remember, the last two years, the savings was super high because of all the PPP funds and the stimulus money. So now, not only did we come off to that, we didn't even go normal, we dropped, right? And we're still going down as the cost of everything went up. Personal income is flat, right? Outlays is up 2% month over month. All of that to say, you're feeling it. You're feeling it in your wallet. So now I've got interest rates that are going up on top of everything else. So interest rates, I want to talk about that. If I was going to buy a home, and I'm going to simplify this, if the loan was 600000 so home prices have gone up 21% in the last year here in the Denver metro, right? And that's per core logic, which watches their data aggregator watching uh, the true appreciation, which is a little bit different than median price growth. Different conversation. 600,000, the home prices have gone up 21%. So I'm not talking about home prices, I'm just talking about loan amounts. And yes, it changes because based on loan to value, putting their percentage down, the loan amount doesn't go up the full amount. I just wanna simplify the math. If I wanna compare a $600,000 loan to a $720,000 loan, right? 20% higher, $600,000 loan to a $700,000 loan. A year ago, I could get that $600,000 loan for less than 3%. Today, that $720,000 loan is going to get locked in closer to four and, a half, or four and a quarter, say, right? Now, of course, it depends on lender, it depends on your loan to value, it depends on your credit score, it depends on the product you choose, what you're buying, all the things. But let's just use four and a quarter. So if I'm looking at $600,000 at 3% versus $720,000 loan at four and a quarter, that payment difference is 36% different. It's $914 more. It's almost $1,000. That is significant, especially if you're a first time home buyer. And I hate to say this, but this is the entry point today. Right? As we see median prices and average home prices going up in the Denver market, this is not that far off. So if I'm looking at a $600,000 loan, but now I have to look at a $720,000 loan, but in order to even get that deal, I have to go in fifty dollars to $200,000 over asking. We had two deals come in this weekend. One, a $600,000 home went $40,000 over, and one, a $725,000 home went $200,000 over. It's still an intense market, so I have to come to the closing table with more money, I have to do the appraisal gaps, I have to, my payment is higher, and then I've got these interest rates, right? I get it. 
But there are strategies to overcome this, right? Again, whole nother conversation, but we could go down the rabbit trail of the importance of getting TBD underwritten. To be determined address, but fully underwritten, all conditions cleared, gives you the opportunity to do an eight to 10 day close, get a $15,000 earnest money guarantee, be able to do a cash guarantee uh, that it will, I'll buy the house, we'll buy the house for cash if we don't close the loan. All these kind of guarantees and quick closings come with a TBD underwrite. So getting in front of this is key. But for now, the interest rates are going up. So let's keep talking about that. So the interest rates, the Federal Reserve has two mandates, to keep jobs for all those who want them and to keep the prices that Americans pay for goods stable. That second one is not doing so good, right? Unemployment's great. It's like back down to historical averages. We're looking fantastic on that. We're not looking fantastic on this runaway inflation. And now Powell, in a press release meeting yesterday, talked about the fact that, whoa, like we're behind on this one. We need to aggressively get in front of this. We need to be open to raising uh, the Fed rate more than a quarter, possibly even uh, 50 bips at the next meeting. We're going to raise the Fed rate at all the rest of the meetings. So that's at least seven more times. And well, I say at least it's going to be seven more times because that's how many more meetings there are, but at least a quarter at each one of the meetings, possibly 50 uh, bips at at least one of them. He wants to get to a point we have kind of identified through his dot plot map. Fancy term. It's just it takes a poll of all the Fed chair, all the Fed members and where they think rates should go. And the majority of people think the Fed rate should be just below 2% at the end of this year, just below 3% at the end of next year. Does that impact your 30-year fixed interest rate? Kind of, but not directly, right? So the Fed rate is raising short-term rates. This is my plea to you. If you have a HELOC right now that's exposed, that maybe you have 75, dollars $100, $150,000 out on that HELOC, and you can't aggressively pay that down, that interest rate is going up. It is absolutely gonna go up, it hasn't yet. But the Fed just raised the Fed rate a quarter point for the first time. So that's gonna continue seven more times, plus at least one of those will be a half a percent. That HELOC is gonna go up. What is that monthly payment gonna to do to your budget? Can you continue to afford it? Or are you gonna be pinched when interest rates are even higher to fix that thing down? So you should talk to the bank that you have that HELOC about fixing that second, or talk to me, let's roll it into a first and get you a new first mortgage. And you're like, but my interest rate was lower. Does that matter? I mean, the interest rate, I get it. Lower interest rates are sexy. But if I have the $150,000 on a HELOC and that payment is gonna get out of control and I can roll it into my mortgage and overall my mortgage might go up 50, 75, $100 versus where that HELOC payment is gonna to continue to go up, I'm gonna choose a slightly higher interest rate locking in on a 30 year fix, especially if that home is gonna convert into an investment property because then that home, I'm not paying the interest rate. The tenants are, right? So then I don't even care. As long as it cash flows, my tenants are paying my interest rate. It actually gives me a better tax deduction. Whole nother story. I can go down the investment track. I love investing in real estate, not gonna lie, right? But going back to where interest rates are headed, so right now, 
This morning, the 10-year is what we watch. The 10-year Treasury yield is what we watch as it starts to give us indicators on where the 30-year fixed rate is going to go because they're both long-term. They're not short-term. The Fed rate is going to affect that HELOC. They're going to affect the two-year uh, Treasury. It's going to affect the... Um, it's going to affect car loans, credit card debt, consumer debt, right? It's going to affect those short-term debts, the bank-to-bank -bank loans, your personal loans. All of that is going to be impacted as the Fed is going to raise this to 2% by the end of this year, 3% by the end of next year. So that's, but hopefully that's going to calm the economy, slow down spending, allow supply to catch up, and right-size this ship. Right-sizing the ship is probably going to include something that looks like a recession because as that two-year is impacted by the Fed rate and the 10-year is volatile but shifts based on lowering inflation, they're going to invert and we're going to get a recession, which is defined by two consecutive quarters of GDP decline, 70% of which is consumer spending. You guys like to spend. I like to spend. You guys, we've been spending because we've been locked in. With the pandemic, we've been spending on goods. Now we're turning back to spending on services. Everybody I'm talking to is traveling, all kinds of things going on, right? So the ball games are back open, the sporting events, the ticket sales, the travel arrangements, but we're spending. We're spending to get less goods because the cost of goods are more. Now, interesting, the cost of goods are not gonna get right-sized in their price as soon as we get supply fixed, right? Because all of those wholesalers and retailers are trying to keep as many consumers as they can. Prices are gonna go up, but they're absorbing as much as they can. Profit margins are shrinking. Uh, we're seeing that across the board. Lenders are seeing it, retailers are seeing it, right? They're trying to keep the consumers. Yes, prices are going up. They're not going up as much as they should, which means when supply chains free up and the prices settle in a little bit, those retailers are not going to pass that savings on to you because they took the hit during this period of time. So the price of things will continue to go up. Wages will continue to go up. These things we're going to have to absorb in whatever we're spending our money on, right? We're going to have to make choices. So the, the rate's going up on the short-term rates. The 30-year fixed, where's it going to go? So the 10-year treasury is now above 2.3. We were talking about this last year when it was hovering at 1.78, and then it went up to 1.89, and then it had crossed over to 2% earlier this year. And what happened? Rates went up to 4%. The 30-year fixed rate went up to 4% when the 10-year treasury went up to 2 And then it came back down again. And then it hovered in that 1.86 range, right? And then it broke against 2 again, all around this quantitative uh, tightening in these conversations. So with all of that and the higher inflation, it went above 2 Last couple of days, it's continuously going up. Now we're above 2.3. So what does that mean for the 30-year fixed? It's all in ranges. So there are three major surveys, I had four fingers, there are, three, there are three major surveys where we watch the rates, right? And as we're watching those rates, and I'm reporting on them every Friday when we do the market trends, or you know, we'll certainly put it out on these kinds of things, when we're watching those, they're creeping up and they're starting to get closer four and a half than they are four. Could they go to five by the end of the year? They could, if the Fed rate goes to two, it's already at two. If the Fed, I'm sorry, that's the 10-year treasury. If the Fed rate itself goes to 2% by the end of this year, right? 
if the Fed rate goes to two, and if we can't control inflation with that measure because of everything happening in Russia and Ukraine, and we have quantitative tightening, we could see the Fed, the 30-year fixed rate go to five. It went to five in 2018. We had almost 9,000 homes for sale, condos and townhomes and single families, homes for sale at the beginning of 2019. That year, we saw 2.8% median price growth here in the Denver market. 9,000 is a drop in the bucket. It takes 30,000 to get a balanced market, but 9,000 gave buyers time to identify homes, to take a second look at homes, right? It slowed down the appreciation. This is all good. Raising interest rates will soften demand to a point to where people will have to make decisions. Is it gonna cut off demand? Absolutely not, and here's why. Birth rates tell us so. The Freddie Mac survey shows that 33-year-olds are the average home buying age. Today, the largest age group is age 30. We have three years of this, plus we have continued strong demand. We have continued wealth in our homes. We have almost 70% equity in our homes today. We didn't have that, right? We didn't have that in previous years or in 2006. Almost 70% equity in our homes. That is a massive shift and it's also a massive security for the housing market. So while people still do have money and while people are gonna to have to make choices on their spending, some of that spending will come down and will go into a recession which will drop interest rates. There's the gold, right? So lock in that home price today because home prices went up 21% over the last year. They're gonna to continue to go up because we can't get enough supply. Even if we get 9,000 homes on the market, which seems unfathomable to me, considering we ended last month barely over 1,200, if we can get to 9,000, we'll see an appreciation here of 2.8. Yes, bring it, right? But we're not gonna to get to nine, not this year. Do we get there next year? At the same time, we go into a recession, and do we see a drop in rates, taking up and eating up all those 9,000 homes? And that demand will then get re-spurred, but you, you will have bought that home and you will have locked in that purchase price and you will locked in a good historic. You've been listening to The Double Comma Club. Never miss an episode. Subscribe at thedoublecommaclub.com to hear more success stories and to get free tips on how you can get on the path to becoming a millionaire through real estate at any age. Remember, visit thedoublecommaclub.com and subscribe.